The world is changing fast, but you can learn it at a slower pace. Special English. You're listening to Special English. Here is the news. A groundbreaking investigation has been conducted into two century-old shipwrecks in the South China Sea, during which a joint archaeological team secured more than 200 well-preserved cultural relics from the site, 1,500 meters beneath the water. Among the discoveries are an iron anchor, measuring about one meter in length, two pieces of timber, and various ceramic items, including a blue and white porcelain jar and a white glazed bowl. The relics will contribute to the research on China's maritime and ceramic history, overseas trade history. As well as the study on the maritime Silk Road, archaeologists estimate that the total amount of relics could exceed one hundred thousand items, most of which are porcelain made during the Ming Dynasty in Jingdezhen, the capital of porcelain, for daily use and decoration. The Ming Dynasty spanned from 1368 until 1644. The second and third investigations are to be carried out in August this year and March next year. The discovery is not only a breakthrough for China's deep sea archaeology, but a significant archaeological discovery on a global level. China started its underwater archaeological explorations in the 1980s, but most of the missions were conducted in shallow coastal areas, about 40 meters below sea level. In 2018 and 2022, the country conducted two deep sea archaeological investigations. Opening a new chapter for the country's deep sea archaeology. However, this most recent mission is still challenging. The extensive nature of the archaeological findings at the site poses certain challenges. Apart from the shipwreck, large amounts of ceramics and pottery objects. As well as pieces of timber, were found scattered across an area of about ten thousand square meters, sitting on the ocean floor, about fifteen hundred meters below sea level. Chen Xuanshu, an expert in geophysical prospecting, and deputy head of the mission. Says there was no previous case worldwide of conducting an archaeological investigation on shipwrecks of such scale at this depth. Each dive takes around eight to nine hours, during which 
the archaeologists have worked with great concentration to observe, record and analyse the site's status. Meanwhile, the submersible pilots have performed tasks including laser measurement, multi-angle footage recording, as well as collecting samples and relics with the submersible's robotic hand. This is Special English. China's top sprinter, Su Bingtian, has announced on Weibo, China's Twitter-like social media platform, that he will withdraw from all competitions held this year. The decision ruled him out for this year's World Athletics Championships, scheduled for late August, as well as the Hangzhou Asian Games in September. Su, however, has his eyes set on Paris 2024. The post reads that as a 34-year-old sprinter, the accumulated injuries over the years and the decline in physical conditions have hampered his preparations this year and to prolong his career. Sue decided to give up this year's competitions, take a rest and make adjustments. Sue added that he will actively recover and prepare for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Su Bingtian currently holds the Asian record of 100 metres with 9.83 seconds, which he clocked in the men's semi-final at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. You're listening to Special English. Online travel agency Priceline part of Booking Holdings, plans to bring out a sophisticated chatbot for planning trips and offering hotel suggestions like a personal concierge. That is according to its chief technology officer, Martin Brodbeck. New tools from Google's cloud division will give Priceline access to the generative AI, like the technology behind ChatGPT that can draft text as if a human wrote it. The tools can also extract information such as hotel prices from existing data to ensure accuracy. Broadbeck says that, for example, Customers can easily find out if there's a Christmas market in Bryant Park that runs from early November all the way through to the beginning of January while browsing their hotels. And for Google, drawing business through AI represents a potential way to close the gap with rivals Amazon and Microsoft as it has long been a distant number three provider of cloud services like data storage. For Priceline, embracing novel technology on its website 
may help it vie with myriad platforms that market travel options, some of which are exploring how consumers react to AI. Its rival, Expedia Group, says that ChatGPT will power conversations on a smartphone app, which will give travellers inspiration on places to go and booking options. Both Expedia and Kayak, another site owned by Booking Holdings, have integrated their travel suggestions through features in the standalone ChatGPT program as well. Google Cloud's CEO, Thomas Kurian, says the ability to build applications atop generative AI has attracted business. He notes there is a kind of Cambrian moment happening now where there's an explosion of this technology, a reference to the extraordinary prehistoric period when a wide array of new species emerged. This is Special English. The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid-19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hamyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the Audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast Books and Beyond and find My Life in China and America. This is Special English. The main construction of China's earthquake early warning system has been completed and the final completion and acceptance is due to be done by the end of this year. That is according to Min Yi Ren, head of the China Earthquake Administration. The country kicked off the construction of its earthquake early warning system in the 1990s and started building its early warning and instant seismic intensity reporting system in several high-stakes regions in 2018, aiming to inform the public of upcoming earthquakes with a countdown in seconds and report the seismic intensity of an earthquake within a minute of its occurrence. Min says that the early warning system the world's largest, marks a leap in shortening the delivery of earthquake information from a minute to a few seconds once a quake happens. According to research published by the Northwestern Seismological Journal in 2002, being aware of an earthquake three seconds ahead 
can save 14% of casualties, 10 seconds, 39%, and 20 seconds, 63%. Expected to boost quake mitigation, the system can send alerts through various devices, including TVs, mobile phones, and broadcasts. Min says the system now covers over 15,000 monitoring stations, three national centres, 31 provincial centres, and 173 prefectural and municipal information release centres. A trial operation for public early warning services has been available in some of its quake-prone areas, including southwest China's Sichuan and Yunnan provinces, north China's Beijing and Tianjin municipalities, and Hebei province, and east China's Fujian province. He added that the system has overcome several technical problems, including multi-network integration and information release to message users within one second. You're listening to Special English. World football's governing body, FIFA, has announced its new member association distribution model for the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 with at least $30,000 to be distributed to each player for participating in the tournament. According to the financial allocation, each player will receive $30,000 for the group stage, while the champions will receive $270,000 for each player. The prize money for players from the last 16 to those finishing as runners-up will vary from 60,000 to 195,000 US dollars. FIFA says the initiative marks another concrete step to develop women's football and ensure players receive a fair deal a commitment that it hopes will set a standard across the industry. FIFA president Gianni Infantino said that under this unprecedented new distribution model, each individual player at this year's Women's World Cup can now fully rely on remuneration for their efforts as they progress through the tournament. Each participating member association will get at least 1.5 million US dollars, with the winners set to receive some 4.3 million US dollars. According to FIFA, its total investment in the Women's World Cup 2023 is budgeted to exceed 500 million US dollars. On the other hand, the tournament, scheduled from July the 20th to August the 20th in Australia and New Zealand, has hit a major milestone, 
with ticket sales surpassing one million. Infantino revealed that 1.03 million tickets have been sold for the ninth Women's World Cup, surpassing the total sales for the 2019 World Cup in France. It means the event is on track to become the most attended standalone women's sporting event in history. You're listening to Special English. Northwest China's Gansu province has set up a digital image database for the rare and precious rock paintings at its 72 cultural relic sites. Information including the surrounding environment and geographical location of the rock paintings has been collected. That is according to Ding Xiaoshang, Deputy Director of the Cultural Relics Digitalization Institute of the Dunhuang Academy. So far, 72 rock painting sites have been discovered in Gansu, mostly distributed in deep mountains, the Gobi Desert, or valleys that are seldom visited by people. Among them, the rock paintings in Heishan Mountain depict the living scenes of the ancient Qiang ethnic group, such as hunting, horse riding and archery in the Hershey Corridor, part of the ancient Silk Road in northwest China. Chou Jian, deputy head of the Provincial Cultural Relics Bureau, says that rock paintings are vivid historical records that reflect the lifestyles of ancient people. The protection of rock paintings and carvings is a matter of global concern. At present, there is a lack of scientific and technological means to prevent their disappearance. Ding says that the digital archives can provide the basic data support for future research, protection and utilization of the rock paintings in Gansu. You're listening to Special English. A cultural and tourism block called the Qishin 1889 has been repurposed from an old cement plant to a modern tourist spot in Tangshan City in North China's Hebei province. It has now been listed as a national-level block for tourism and leisure activities in China. Built in 1889, the Qishin cement plant was the birthplace of the first barrel of cement in China. It's the cradle of China's cement industry, which witnessed more than 120 years of changes and development. Evolving alongside the urbanization of the city, the old cement plant has been turned into a cultural and tourism block with a brand new look. The popular spot retains some original mechanical equipment 
of essential historical and cultural value. Four German electric generators, a large wooden carriage loading plank, cement mills, and other forms of mechanical equipment are preserved in the block. What's more, several over 100-year-old buildings house vast archives which record more than 120 years of Chinese industrial development. Art galleries, bars, conference rooms, restaurants and other tourism facilities have been set up there, offering a trendy leisure spot to residents. The Qi Xin 1889 Cultural and Tourism Block is a comprehensive zone which brings together the heritage of China's industrial development, tourism and cultural installations. It showcases how a traditional industrial city can transform itself into a modern cultural one. You're listening to Special English. That is the end of this edition of Special English. To recap, I'm going to read one of the news items again at normal speed. Please listen carefully. A groundbreaking investigation has been conducted into two century-old shipwrecks in the South China Sea, during which a joint archaeological team secured more than 200 well-preserved cultural relics from the site, 1,500 metres beneath the water. Among the discoveries are an iron anchor measuring about one metre in length, two pieces of timber and various ceramic items, including a blue and white porcelain jar and a white glazed bowl. The relics will contribute to the research on China's maritime and ceramic history, overseas trade history, as well as the study on the Maritime Silk Road. Archaeologists estimate that the total amount of the relics could exceed 100,000 items, most of which are porcelain made during the Ming Dynasty in Jingdezhen, the capital of porcelain, for daily use and decoration. The Ming Dynasty spanned from 1368 until 1644. The second and third investigations are to be carried out in August this year and March next year. The discovery is not only a breakthrough for China's deep-sea archaeology, but a significant archaeological discovery on a global level. China started its underwater archaeological explorations in the 1980s, but most of the missions were conducted in shallow coastal areas about 40 metres below sea level. In 2018 and 2022, the country conducted two deep-sea archaeological investigations, opening a new chapter for the country's deep-sea archaeology. However, this most recent mission is still challenging. The extensive nature of the archaeological findings at the site poses certain challenges. Apart from the shipwreck, large amounts of ceramics and pottery objects, as well as pieces of timber, were found scattered across an area of about 10,000 square metres, sitting on the ocean floor about 1,500 metres below sea level. Chen Chuanshu, an expert in geophysical prospecting and deputy head of the mission, says there was no previous case worldwide of conducting an archaeological investigation on shipwrecks of such scale at this depth. Each dive takes around eight to nine hours. 
during which the archaeologists have worked with great concentration to observe, record and analyse the site's status. Meanwhile, the submersible pilots have performed tasks including laser measurement, multi-angle footage recording, as well as collecting samples and relics with the submersible's robot hand. That is the end of today's programme. I hope you'll join us every day to learn English at a slower pace.